So you're standing on the subway platform waiting for the train when one of the giant video screens next to you starts playing a video. Is it some sort of arts and crafts tutorial? Maybe it's a recipe? There are disembodied hands drizzling cheese over something called brigetti pie? What is happening? Are those gummy bears and chocolate pudding? It's disorienting and absurd and oddly compelling. Willa Glickman wrote a great story about these perplexing videos for Hellgate recently called Here's Why You're Seeing Gross Viral Recipes on Your Subway Commute. And she spoke with my colleague, Hellgate editor and co-owner Christopher Robbins about her story and her investigation into the companies who are responsible for turning our commutes into a culinary horror show. But also, I had an investigation of my own I needed to do. So I'm about to make brigetti pie which has been advertised to the millions of people who ride the subway as a delicious dish that everybody should make. And right now I am prepping the bacon um, to go in the oven. What it's supposed to be at the end is basically like a block of a pie-shaped spaghetti, brie, bacon, parsley monstrosity. Could the brigetti pie actually be good? Honestly, you can't really fuck up pasta with cheese and bacon. Right? Right? This is the Hellgate Podcast. I'm Hellgate co-owner Esther Wong, and this week, we're looking at an example of what happens when the logic of internet clickbait invades real life. Yeah, so the pie is not coming out of the springform pan, so I've... Resorted to seeing a potato masher. Oh, God. This was not in the video. This was not in the video, no. But before we get to the brigetti pie, let's hear from Chris's conversation with Willa Glickman. Willa, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Can you remember the first time you saw one of these videos on the subway? Do you have like a Proustian moment of gazing at a weird arts and crafts thing and being like, what the fuck? I think they were kind of ambiently drizzling into my awareness for a while, but my Christian moment, I remember being on the train in the summer at some point, I think, and I think it was one of those ads for the baked brie board. For some reason, they love brie. You know, it's sort of gloopy. There's like different textures. They're really into like transformation, you know, but it was alternating back and forth between that I think it was like the brie board, like the grilled watermelon daiquiri, and then just <laughs> sort of first round of Adam's administration, like no panhandling on the subway, no skateboarding, no boom boxes, you know, all just the kind of like no fun policing warnings. And I think the juxtaposition of those two things really made me think, wow, what is going on? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like don't have fun here. Go home and make your brie board and that's where you should have fun. Okay, so... Backing up, who is putting these videos on the subway? And, and, and then like the second question is like, who is making them? So out front is this company that the MTA has contracted to do, I think pretty much all of their advertising, but definitely all the digital screens, which are a like 2019 initiative. So they have those weird ads for like shocked the musical and all kinds of semi-normal things. But then their strategy to kind of increase engagement with these videos is they have features called moments. So there's moments in food, moments in life, moments in art, 
Um, and then there's, I think, like the tennis channel and then weather. And so these sort of like entertainment shorts are, yeah, supposed to make you pay more attention to the ads. And in a way, it kind of made me wonder if, you know, sort of the way that Outfront sells the benefit of these screens to the MTA is that the MTA is able to use them for service announcements, maps, and um, it's kind of a way to pay for digital signage. But in a way, that's almost sort of engagement content as well. <laughs> I feel like it's there's this weird confusion between what's entertainment, what's information, what's an ad. Right. Yeah. So Outfront is the one who's curating all these and then they use other companies to create the videos. So the food videos are by this company called First Media, which also does the moments in life videos, which are, <laughs> there's a lot of, a lot of um, shell corporations here, but yeah, First Media is the producer of the content and they have these two channels, So Yummy, which is a cooking channel, and then Blossom, which is a life hack. Sorry, it's So Yummy? So Yummy is... I just, I just want to put a point on on the name of the, the food channel. And you, you sort of touched on this. There's no branding in these videos. It's not like they're using like Reynolds Wrap or whatever, or like a special type of peanut butter. And there's no specific product being sold in them. Can you talk a little bit about like what the advertising goal is here or like what the purpose is if it's not to sort of push a specific product or brand? Yeah, I think this is kind of the main confusion of the videos where for the most part, they're not selling anything. They're like a company unto themselves. And so the way they make money is just in the classic content farm click way. So they get a percentage of the ad revenue that comes from people clicking on it. Um, so they kind of establish themselves as a company with that business model. And then I think it is kind of interesting how it's hopped over into this new revenue stream where Outfront is using these ads that kind of came up in an environment where they were created to just draw attention and get clicks. And now obviously no one's clicking on anything on these screens in the MTA, but the same principle of just a video that is really good at drawing attention and going to make you look at it and kind of zone out. And this is maybe a leading question, but like, why would Alfred want dozens of people on a subway train to all be staring at a screen of like someone putting googly eyes on Pringles? Like, like, what is the benefit there? Yeah, it's really just to draw attention to the screens, um, whether they're on the platform or on the train. And in their promotional material out front, will kind of say like, oh, you know, people on the subway are they use the word captive audience a lot. You know, it's like the perfect audience because they're just like bored and they're looking to be distracted. And so like they're really trying to capitalize on that as much as possible. And I don't know the exact metrics that they're able to use that to sell advertising space, but they definitely advertise like, you know, our engaging content drives eyeballs is the word they use to our screens. And that must help them sell ads. And we didn't really get into this in, in the story, but I, I did want to ask you like, how these sorts of ads like work with or, or they seem to just be part of a larger like trend of leaning into like internet chum like every website now the, the times has their fancy chum which is like these weird spinning tops and then like passive income advertisements and then like other websites that are like not as high rent perhaps are like the you know, toe doctors hate this one trick or like do this every day for gut health. So like where, like, is this sort of just an extension of that kind of mentality of like 
attention span no matter what in the real world? Yeah, I think I think it totally is just that, you know, YouTube crawling into our public space. Something I found really interesting in researching this article was just that these kind like so yummy and blossom are like just take up a big share of the internet and then they're kind of part of this whole other ecosystem of these weird like DIY videos, life hack videos, cooking videos. There's like five minute crafts and these other ones that are even wackier. And then some people are like, you know, is it Russian misinformation, which doesn't really seem to be, but there's just a lot of like mysterious internet nonsense that these are like a somewhat more civilized example of. But yeah, it really is just the tip of the iceberg of this huge industry that is just, you know, to take up your attention. The MTA has some rules and regulations about what can and can't be advertised. And most of those rules are about like propriety or like profanity or whatever. But I mean, what does it say that they're willing to show these things that are so mercenary and base that are literally just designed to turn us into like brain dead lizard consumers? Yeah, I think it's pretty depressing. It's a huge audience um, and it just feels so kind of wasteful that it's just nonsense (laughs) yeah in terms of the mta's advertising policy you know they've always had a mixture of some you know service information some psas and some advertising i think their advertising probably has never been terribly scrupulous i found it kind of funny to look at their guidelines where part of what they're saying their basic you know principles are is just like We just want to stop having ads that will cause, you know, scandals that are like detracting endlessly from the MTA carrying out its mission. So I think when it comes to advertising, they're not thinking too much about the purpose of it or how they're using that opportunity to share information. They're just kind of like, we just want to make money and not, you know, have people be mad at us. We don't don't want Hellgate to blog about this ad. So just I think it's mostly they're living in fear of Hellgate. (laughs) So these ads are on subway platforms and trains. Are we going to keep seeing them? What is the future of these so yummy ads in our transit system? I think we will probably keep seeing them. There's more screens to come, especially yeah, on the trains themselves. I think the kind of like banner ads, they're only like 30 some percent rolled out. So there definitely will be more of them. Something I've noticed is that a lot of the screens seem to be broken. At least the one in my (laughs) station has been broken for a number of months. And so maybe we can hope that, you know, gradually that does all start glitching out and then we'll just, you know, be able to see (laughs) only, you know, glimpses of brigetti pie in between TV static. So I think that's kind of the best case scenario. Do you have a favorite one of these ads since you've consumed so many of them? I think the one that really sent me over the edge was the sprinkles recipe, which is kind of a more straightforward one. And I'm, I guess probably works, but I just could not possibly think of something that I was less needing to make in my own life than sprinkles. Sprinkles. Yeah. (laughs) I had a hard time with that one. We are going to attempt to make brigetti pie. Some of us are saying it's going to taste like shit. Others are like, it actually looks kind of fine. Where do you fall on brigetti pie? And like, is it possible to even make half of these recipes? Like the sprinkle one is, I agree, it's like a little, that's just wasting someone's time. Who eats brigetti pie? Um, You know, I feel like of all of them, the brigetti pie could possibly be okay. 
Yeah, the subway videos are less just like egregiously fake than some other Soyemi videos. But I think they really underestimate the difficulty of certain things. Like the one that's like a cowboy hat, you know, that's like a marshmallow and a chip dipped in chocolate. It's just kind of hard to get chocolate to the right, you know, consistency and then perfect. Like I just think that it doesn't go that well. So I think with the brigetti pie, my guess as to what might go wrong is that I can't imagine that the spaghetti would like form a nice crust and wouldn't just be wet spaghetti on the outside of a wheel of brie, but I'm ready to be proved wrong. So I wish you luck. Thank you. Willa Glickman is a writer and editor at the New York Review of Books. You can read her story on Hellgate called Here's Why You're Seeing Gross Viral Recipes on Your Subway Commute. Subscribe to Hellgate. Willa, thanks so much for being here. Thank you. Hi there, this is Esther again. I know you like our podcast so far. And wouldn't you like even more Hellgate in your life? Subscribe. Hellgate is New York City's only worker-owned news site. Our goal is to bring our readers stories that are trenchant, playful, outraged, irreverent, useful, and never a chore to read. Go to hellgatenyc.com slash products to subscribe. All right, back to the podcast. I had made the mistake in Slack of promising to make the brigetti pie. I'm... A woman of my word, so on a recent Wednesday, I bought all the ingredients for this strange pasta cake and gathered the Hellgate staff in my kitchen for a little taste test. Let that go for a little bit. Chop up. This is way too much parsley. What do you think? Half? That's still a lot of parsley, right? So it's important to note that So Yummy, the company behind Brigetti Pie, doesn't actually provide you with an actual recipe complete with information like, how much parsley do I need? In the ad on the subway, here's how So Yummy describes how to make this pasta delicacy, or in their words, the decadent spaghetti delight. Mix boiled pasta. You're supposed to take the pasta, break it in half, and then put it in a jar filled with water, and then microwave it for eight minutes, which is not a method I've ever seen used or recommended. To make spaghetti, eggs, parsley, bacon, parmesan, and olive oil in a large bowl. Transfer half the mixture to a greased pan. Top with a wheel of brie and cover with remaining pasta. Sprinkle with parmesan cheese. Bake. Unbelievable. All right, y'all. It's so heavy. My first thought when it came out of the oven was honestly, it might be good against all the odds. I'm cutting into it. Oh, it's dense. Yeah. Oh, it's really dense. It looks, there's sort of like a chitinous exoskeleton. Yeah, yeah. It's sort of like we're cutting into a big, like, insect or arthropod or something. Mm. The Parmesan cheese had crisped up, and the pie itself held its shape. And then we all took our first bites. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Did I have to follow? You can spit it out. This is actually the most disgusting thing I've ever eaten in my life. All you get is an intense hit of yeah. brie, yeah. and the fact that you leave the the brie crust on, it's it's just, it's pungent. Oh, God. I was really ready for the redemption arc. I really thought like it was going to be like, oh, it's not that bad. Yeah, I thought it would yeah. be like a mea culpa, an MTA, yeah. and out front. Yeah. It's like biting into a wheel of brie that something like so bad happened to yeah. you. It's like something like so wrong. It's like, yeah. I'm crying. It was so bad. <laughs> yeah. It's a weird sort of like single, like the flavor profile 
is like a weird like one note it's of, just Brie. of Brie rhymes. Bro, oh, it's really bad. <laughs> it's like regurgitated pasta with like, mmm. Yeah, like I... No. <laughs> uh, there's bacon in this? Yeah. There yeah. is. Yeah. Animals died for this recipe. Oh. Oh, this is fucking terrible. <laughs> I think it's pretty likely that I'm the only person in the entire world who's ever actually made brigetti pie. Do I regret it? Yeah, I do. Do not fall for the siren song of brigetti pie. It was literally the worst thing I've ever eaten. This is not like a recipe that could use some improvement. It's more like a bad AI guess at what human food is. It is not edible. The instant you put it in your mouth, you will want to vomit. But making the pie revealed a deeper truth which is the utter and raw contempt that Outfront and by extension the MTA have for the people of New York. The MTA is basically telling kids to eat Tide Pods. Yeah, and the fact that like politicians are like, are like, you know, weighing in about panics of like TikTok fads of kids eating Tide Pods or whatever, but like this is allowed, this is like lasted at, at, you know, the unsuspecting public every time they ride public transportation. That doesn't seem right. Like, it, it's being laundered under the, like, the, like, passive kind of, like, assumption that, like, oh, I'm not going to make that, but, like, it's probably real food. Whereas we have seen that like, this is actually, it's antisocial. It's content not yeah. for consumption, you know? Yeah. It's yeah. really not to be consumed, but it's content. This has been episode nine of the Hellgate podcast. Hellgate is a worker-owned, subscriber-funded news outlet covering New York City. Subscribe to Hellgate at hellgatenyc.com slash products. Our editorial team is Adlin Jackson, Nick Pinto, Max Rivlin-Nadler, Christopher Robbins, Katie Way, and me, Esther Wong. Nadia Tykolsker is our business manager, and Lauren Vespoli is our producer. Our theme music is by Groupwork. You can find their music on Bandcamp and all streaming platforms. This podcast is engineered by Crutch Phrase Studio. During the week, check out HellgateNYC.com for daily reporting, in-depth investigations, and more stories about New York City. And if you like our podcast, please rate and subscribe on your favorite platform. We'll see you next time.